Well, it is wonderful to be with you. Thank you for giving Pastor Gray a Sunday off, an import, a very special Sunday in many congregations, perhaps, probably in this one as well. But I hope that I am at least a, a mediocre substitute for Gray this morning so that he can spend time with his family. And I live close enough that as soon as we're done meeting, by lunchtime I'll be with my wife and our boys too so we can celebrate Mother's Day as well. So it seemed to be to work out well for everyone, and I hope it works out well for the congregation. Uh, you can, well, I guess you can let Gray know. You can let me know if I do a really terrible job, I suppose, but we're, we're, we're friendly disciples. We usually don't do that. So you can let Gray know. Um, foremost, let me, I bring uh, greetings from sibling congregations, 116 others in the upper Midwest region, in Iowa, Minnesota, and even one in North Dakota, and 200 colleagues in ministry, in our order of ministry. I want to thank you on their behalf for your generosity in supporting our ongoing ministry. You faithfully give to Disciples Mission Fund, which supports our regional work and supports our general ministries. And I know that you also support the special day offerings throughout the year, including the Pentecost one, which is coming up, which is for new churches. We have some of those nearby even. There's a new church starting up in Johnston. COVID has wrecked havoc on that, as you might imagine. Um, And also... uh, fledgling congregation that's becoming an established congregation in the next few months, Downtown Disciples in Des Moines has been one of our new churches that that, uh, that your gifts to that offering has helped to support, and others as well. So, thank you. And I know, and none of this is preaching yet, but I also know that this congregation is in a time of transition, already searching for pastoral leadership, and Gray, unfortunately, needing to, to step aside due to, well... Limits given to him by his other job. That is one of the real challenges of bivocational ministry. Um, We cannot always do what we want. And I know Gray would love to continue serving here, and we would love nothing more than that. But we deal with it, right? And we make the best of it. We love him and we love his family, and we trust that God has plans and ideas for us still. And one of my charges is to try to help your search team discern what those are. And I'm privileged to to work with with Sherry and others to do that. But if you have questions, uh, the sermon is not the time to ask those. Uh, (laughs) Not that I'm I'm not opposed to it in my previous congregation, but it will just extend the service, and it's Mother's Day. And I know some people have plans. Uh, But afterwards, I'm happy to answer any and all questions and meet you. That said, can we have just a brief moment of prayer, and we'll dig into these scriptures this morning. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this time, this time in the service when we open the scriptures and seek your wisdom for our lives. I ask that you open us up, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the lessons that you have for us this day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Not all preachers like to preach on Mother's Day. I love to preach on Mother's Day. I think there are so many important lessons about nurturing and mothering, whether they're biological mothers or adopted mothers or spiritual mothers in the scriptures that we don't pay enough attention to. And this is one of them. This is a story that, if you're like me, you learned when you were yay tall. Moses 
in that basket in the Nile. You may not have learned the reason for it quite so young, but we know it now. It's not in our scripture this morning. It comes just before that. The Pharaoh had put out a decree. There were too many slave, male slaves being born, and he was having the children being put to death. So they couldn't become too numerous and threaten his power. Moses is born, and his mother says, Well, is there a way? And on a lark, and on, I'm sure, much prayer, she puts her child, her tiny baby, in a basket and floats him in the river and hopes for the best. And the best, I think, is probably even beyond her imagination. The Pharaoh's daughter finds the child, takes pity on him, takes Miriam's offer up, sends the child home, to his actual biological mother, to be nurtured and nursed, literally, pays Moses' biological mother, and then adopts him when when he is weaned, we don't quite know when, into her own home, as the famous movie from a quarter century ago calls him, as a prince of Egypt. So how does Moses become the leader that God chooses to lead the Hebrews through the wilderness? Is it his biological mother? Is it his adopted mother? Who nurtures him and instills in him and helps him develop the gifts to be able to lead God's people from literally from slavery to the cusp of freedom in the promised land? Certainly he was born with gifts and graces, as we all are. So some of that was given by God. And it seems clear from later events in his life that he understood his ethnicity, his identity as a Hebrew, because as a young man, when he sees a a taskmaster abusing one of his fellow Hebrews, he loses his temper and kills him. And then, of course, has to flee in self-imposed exile. Or is it his adopted mother, the Pharaoh's daughter, who raises him as a prince and teaches him how to administrate, how to govern a people? And perhaps most especially tells him that he's the equal of the leaders in power. So that when the time comes, Moses can, without a second thought, he wonders about speaking for God, but he never wonders about walking into the Pharaoh's presence and talking to him directly. Because he grew up with him. And he was his equal. And he was raised to be his equal by his adopted mother. But lest we think that Moses' development is all by mothers, biological and adopted, there's another influence on Moses' life that makes him the leader that God needs to lead the Hebrews from Egypt to the Promised Land. And that's his father-in-law, Jethro. When he runs away into that self-imposed exile, he falls in love. And he's adopted by the high priest of Midian. And he learns spiritual things. And he learns practical shepherding. Both of which will be necessary 
as he leads people for 40 years in the wilderness. So how does Moses become the man that he becomes? Was he born that way? Was he nurtured into the person that he needed to be? My hunch is, I think the scriptures are pretty clear with this implication, it's both. He's given gifts by God, and he's nurtured by key people in his life. And maybe it's, more than likely, it's more than just his biological mother, his adopted mother, and his father-in-law. And none of that should be too surprising, because I imagine if we think back on our lives this day, and how we have become the people that we are, some of it we can't explain, we were just born that way, And some of it is because people have gone out of their way to nurture us. And some of them have been related to us by blood. And some of them have not. And some have been women and some have been men. Some have been, some have been teachers. Some maybe have been preachers. Some have been co-workers. Thank you. What you doing today? No. No. Stay there. Okay. Well, you can watch the kiddos. Mute yourself, please. Yeah, that's so we can add. Well, we'll wait just a minute. We went to Brent's soccer game yesterday. That's all we went to. Sarah earlier, uh, holds in his baseball tournament. I was sitting at rain out today and got him. <laughs> You're on. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> it's all right. We don't worry about it. Other than I'm not a manuscript preacher, so we got to find our place again. Uh, I'm, I don't have it memorized either, but I, what were we talking about? We were talking about people nurturing us, right? I mean, does this make sense? Is this true? I mean, it's true to my experience, but I won't presume. Is it true to yours? Your life as you look back? The people who have nurtured you? I mean, this is a day when we honor women who have nurtured us. Right? And that's a good thing. But I hope it's also a day when we reflect and give thanks to God for all the people that have nurtured us over the years. Mothers and adopted mothers aunts and uncles, teachers, preachers, neighbors, co-workers, friends, that have had outsized influences on us, making us the people we are today. And of course God, who implanted some gifts in us and placed those people in our paths. And so I hope today, this Mother's Day, we will give thanks to God for some of them, And if we have the opportunities and some of them are still living, we reach out to them by phone or by email or by a card and thank them. Thank them for helping to make us the people that we are, nurturing us into the people that we are. That's a pretty typical Mother's Day sermon, and there's lots of good stuff in it. But there's something else in this story of Moses and his mothers, that I think jumps out. One of them is an ancient 
stereotypical trope in ancient literature, and it sometimes pops up in modern literature too. And it's that women have a way of getting around the rules. Okay? The rule is, the Pharaoh said, none of these boys are going to make it. And three women team up and say, well, this boy's going to make it. It's not the rule. It's not the law of the land. It's not what the powers that me that be, i.e. the men in power, want. This is hardly, an, it's not even the only instance in the Bible where this happens, where women kind of undercut the rules and find a different way to make something happen. It's in the story of Ruth. It's in the story of Esther. Perhaps it's in the sisters Mary and Martha and their interactions with Jesus. Tip of the iceberg. I have a sneaking suspicion that Pharaoh's daughter knew the fix was in, and she bought into it. Scripture doesn't say that explicitly. But doesn't it just almost seem too coincidental that there's this baby floating along, and right behind the baby is this Hebrew girl who says, I know somebody who can take care of him. And the Pharaoh's daughter doesn't just say, okay. She goes beyond. She says, you know what? I'll even pay her. I'll pay her to take care of him. Here's the weird thing about the nurturing that Moses receives. Except I wonder if it's that weird. Neither one of his mothers gets to be the mother they dreamed. If they were just to sit down with their ancient diaries and write down, when I'm a mother, here's how I'm going to do it. This is not the path Moses' biological mother would have chosen. And it's not the path that his adopted Egyptian mother would choose. They both have to compromise. Their nurturing is not how they imagine it to be. It's not perfect. Because of constraints beyond them, the Pharaoh's edict. Because of the differences in status between the Egyptians in power and the Hebrews as slaves. And yet both, through those compromises, nurture Moses into being the man that he becomes. And I wonder how many of the people who have nurtured us made similar compromises, and still have an outsized influence on the people that we have become. I wonder how many of them look at us and they're proud of us, but they think, boy, that didn't go how I wanted it to. Boy, if I had it to do over again, I would do this and this and this and this differently. And maybe the only reason I wonder that is because as a parent now, and as a pastor for many years, I often think those things. I often think those things, don't you? With the people that you influence? Do you focus on all the things you did right? Or do the things that you're convinced you did wrong or didn't, weren't able to do to the fullest that you always dreamed that you could, do they just nag at you? 
maybe that's not the point of nurturing. Maybe nurturing isn't about doing it perfectly. Maybe nurturing isn't about doing it by the book. It wasn't for Moses. And it wasn't for these two amazing women who mothered him. They couldn't do it by the book and they couldn't do it by their own dreams. They did it as best they could. And judging by Moses, imperfect though he was, by Moses' outsize legacy, they did a pretty darn good job. And I hope we can say the same of the people who have nurtured us. I'm sure they're well aware of their imperfections. But I hope we can say, whoever they are, they did a pretty darn good job. And here's the crux of all this. I hope that as we seek to nurture others, and by the way, whether you're doing this in your biological family or you don't have the opportunity to in a biological family, in our church family, that is part of our responsibility to nurture one another in faith. I hope that we do not get hung up on how it's supposed to work on paper. I hope we don't get hung up with making list after list of all the things we can't do because of the circumstances we find ourselves in or that we do not as well as we always dreamed we would. I hope we recognize that nurturing is something much different than that. It's about involvement and love and I would suggest humanity which means implicitly imperfection. It's about learning to want the best for the people that you're nurturing. Whatever it means for you. Yeah, it's about working the system and sometimes finding ways to undercut the system. It's about building relationships and then trusting, even if you don't live to see it, that good things will come because of the decisions and the things and the relationships you do and build. Moses' mother only got a short period of time compared to the others in his life. Even his adopted mother only got a short period of time. Jethro got the most. But what an outsized influence these two women had. Not just on him, but through him, on all who followed him, including on you and me, who are thinking about his life and his legacy this morning. Maybe those that we nurture will not have quite the impact to be talked about thousands of years from now. But they will have impacts. Likely good ones. Compromise is not necessarily a bad thing. 
It may only it may be an unavoidable thing. And becoming the nurturers, becoming the parents and the aunts and uncles, the church members, the co-workers, the neighbors that those around us need. Something to ponder, both as we give thanks to those who nurtured us and as we seek to nurture others with God's love this day and all the days to come. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.